church. Good to see you this weekend. Let me welcome all of our services at Plantation, whatever service you're in. Welcome. Glad you are here. And then let me make a special welcome out to our East of I-75 Gateway Campus. What's up, Gateway? Good to see you. Glad you're with us this weekend on this 4th of July weekend. Don't you love 4th of July weekend? It's such a fun uh, holiday. It's one of my favorites to spend with friends and family. We live in the greatest nation in the world, don't we? Come on. We live in the greatest nation in the world. I love 4th of July weekend. So this weekend, what we're doing in all of our services, we have what we call a standalone message that usually at Next Level, if you're new, we have series that last anywhere from four to six weeks where we take a topic and we add some creative elements to it and then we take the Bible and talk about what the Bible has to say about those topics over four to six weeks. And then sometimes we find ourselves in between a series. As you heard in the video, next week we, we kick off our big summer series called My Life story. It's going to be absolutely incredible. So much fun, very creative. We're going to talk about a lot of different things in that, so make sure that you invite some people to come to that. We're going to have an incredible big summer series, My Life Story. But this weekend, we find ourselves in a standalone message. So basically, Pastor Matt comes to whoever is scheduled to speak for that weekend, and he says, on a standalone, preach about whatever's on your heart. So he'll come to Pastor Mike or myself or one of our other people who speak here on the weekends and say, speak about whatever God is telling you to speak about. So I'm so excited to have a standalone opportunity this weekend because I want to encourage us at this part of the year. Can you believe that it's already halfway through 2014, that this is the first weekend of July and we have crossed over that halfway threshold of the year. I cannot believe that we're already halfway through. It seems like just the other day we were celebrating New Year's Eve and we were doing our series start here at the church where we made New Year's resolutions and set goals and now we're halfway through the year already. And if you're anything like me at this time of the year, this is the time of the year that I actually can look on and I look back at the first part of the year and maybe you can be a little disappointed with where you're at, maybe a little bit discouraged with New Year's resolutions you made. I'll make three or four, I'll get to one or two, I won't even get to the other ones and I get to this part of the year and maybe you've made some things at the beginning of your year, resolutions like financial ones or relationship ones or even maybe things in your spiritual walk with Jesus or things for your family or your career. Maybe you look up at this time of the year and you haven't actually gotten to those things or you're not as far along as you thought you would be. And the truth is when it comes to that, the reason that we can be a little disappointed, a little discouraged is that our expectations are one thing and then we look on and we haven't met those expectations. So we find ourselves disappointed or discouraged. I remember the first time I ever watched a UFC fight. Uh, it was in college, 2002. Uh, UFC is the whole octagon thing where, you know, I was, I was told before I went and saw one that it's all things in one, karate, boxing, wrestling, you know, cheerleading. It's all mixed into one sport. And uh, they, they fight, you know, rounds of, rounds of five minutes, three rounds, you know, to the death. It's the most incredible thing. They're the greatest athletes in the world. So my college roommate was a huge UFC fan, and he had tried to convince me for months to go watch a pay-per-view event. I kept turning him down. Finally, I decided to go. We went to Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, BW3s, to watch this fight because they offered it in pay-per-view in Tennessee uh, about nine years ago now. And uh, we went, and all this build-up to this fight, I mean, people were so excited at this restaurant. I mean, everybody had on their black t-shirt that said UFC on it. All these guys were like straight out of the gym, you know, enormous. And I'm there like, okay, I, I don't fit in at all, but I'm excited to see what all this is about because obviously it draws a lot of people and attention. So it builds up, 10 p.m. comes, the big fight, title fight comes on and, and then everybody's so excited. You can feel the anticipation in the restaurant and then 10 seconds into the fight, knockout. Dudes on the ground, referee calls the fight, everybody's going nuts. I'm sitting at the table going, really? <laughs> That's it? 
Like, that's it. And they're like, yeah, that's it. It's awesome. Incredible. Knocked him out. Ten seconds. My roommate's going nuts. Veins are popping all out of his head and arms. And I'm like, what is, that's it? Like, seriously, that's it. The expectations I had for that fight were far greater than ten seconds. But the expectations for him were he just wanted the guy that he wanted to win to win, and he won. So he's excited. His expectations are met. My expectations are completely disappointed because of expectations. They're either great or they're small, and when they're not met either way, we can look on and be disappointed or discouraged. Siri, on your iPhone, disappointed, right? Like expectations for Siri on all the commercials. It's like Siri promised us so many things. Not only the weather, Siri, did you promise us. Not only did you promise us to to schedule our appointment, Siri, you said that you'd tuck our kids in at night when we were away on business. You said that you'd kiss our wife if we were going to be late for work. You said that if we asked for our football teams to win, they would win. Siri, I have yelled at you more than any other person in my life. Complete disappointment, right? Come on, anybody else with Siri? Huge buildup, complete disappointment. Like, I have been in random public places, and I'm yelling at my phone, and people look at me, and I'm like, it's just Siri. Don't worry about it. No big deal. But there's all this buildup of expectations, and then when your expectations are disappointed, sometimes you can be so frustrated that you can't even put words to it. And here's why I think that's true in our lives, is I think that in our lives that we actually take our day-to-day life And then we compare it to other people's highlight reels. That we take our day-to-day life and we look on at somebody else's highlight reel on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Or we go to their house and we see their perfect family wall with the kids who are smiling so beautifully and they're all in the same colors. On Instagram we see their vacation, that they went to the beach, they went to another country. We look on Facebook and we see somebody got a promotion or they bought a new home. And then we take our day-to-day life and we compare it to someone else's highlight reel and maybe we find ourselves personally discouraged with where we're at at this point in the year. Because here's what I think. I think that sometimes we're so frustrated and disappointed in one area of our life that God's actually exceeding our expectations in three or four other areas, but we can't even see it because of the disappointment in another I think that if we really looked up this year in 2014 with where we're at right now, and if you feel disappointed or discouraged and you come in here this weekend and that's how you feel, I bet God's exceeding your expectations in other areas of your life. But you just can't see them because of disappointment in one area. So I'm so excited this weekend in this standalone message to encourage you. I want to encourage us as we go into the second half of this year because I think God wants to do some spectacular things not only in you but in your family and through our church. So if you have your Bibles or your smartphones or, or tablet device, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 11, the gospel of Matthew, it's the first book of the New Testament. If you want to turn to Matthew chapter 11, that's where we're going to land this weekend. If you're new to Bible study, maybe you've never heard this story, but if you've been in church for a while around Bible study for some period of time, you've probably heard the story of John the Baptist, that John the Baptist is one of the most famous people recorded in the Bible. And we're actually going to pick up the story in Matthew chapter 11, where we find John the Baptist in prison. That John's actually in prison and he's waiting his death. He has been sentenced to die and he's sitting in prison and he's waiting on death. And basically, we, we pick up at this part where John finds himself very discouraged, where he finds his life at in this season of his life. Because see, if we track back eight months, nine months, ten months prior to where we find John the Baptist in this part of the story, John the Baptist had one of the biggest followings the world had ever seen. Thousands and thousands of people were following John the Baptist. Hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands were listening to his messages day by day. They were being baptized in the river. John the Baptist was living this incredible, incredible life, and now he looks up and he finds himself in prison awaiting death. He finds himself 
discouraged. I don't think that we find him actually doubting what he was called to do because John was called to pave the way for the chosen one, this king, this son of God that was going to come and save the world. John was called to push that forward before that person came. He was called to pave the way. So I don't think John was necessarily questioning his calling, but I do think that he was pretty discouraged. So let's pick up in chapter 11, verses 1 through 12, and let's read along there starting in verse 1. It says this, Jesus finished teaching his 12 disciples. Then he went out on to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. Verse 2, John was in prison when he heard what Christ was doing. He sent his disciples to him. So John's in prison. His disciples came to see him. John says, hey, go find this Jesus who all the people are following now. I need you to ask him a couple questions. Verse 3, then they asked Jesus, speaking of John's disciples, are you the one who was supposed to come? Or should we, should we look for someone else, Jesus? Are you, are you this one that John was called to pave the way for? Are you the one, or, or should we look for someone else? Because John, who, who was kind of the man before you came around, he, he's actually in prison waiting on death. So if you're not the one that he put all this work in for, it'd be really nice to know, Jesus, so that we can go look for someone else, so that we can go back to John and encourage him. Because John actually finds himself pretty discouraged, Jesus. And so if you're the one, could you... Tell us that you're the one, and let's pause here for a second, because if anybody had the ability to ask that question, it was John the Baptist. That if anybody had the ability in the Bible, if that was any normal person, every day-to-day person, we'd go, wow, I can't believe that. But John the Baptist had the ability to ask this. He was the one that was called to pave the way for the chosen one. John had proclaimed boldly that Jesus was the Son of God. John had, had looked on when he was baptizing thousands of people in a river and pointed out at Jesus and said, look, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God and John lost disciples and followers on that day. And now John finds himself in prison, not for doing anything illegal. John wasn't in prison for selling drugs. John wasn't in prison for for murdering anybody. John wasn't in prison for, for doing anything illegal at all. John was in prison because he did exactly what he was supposed to do. John stood up for righteousness, the right way of living. And now he finds himself in prison awaiting death. And if this Jesus isn't the chosen one, John's looking on in prison discouraged because if I did all this for nothing, he's looking on and going, is this it, Jesus? Is this it? Please at least tell me you're the chosen one so that I can feel better about myself. John found himself discouraged. Look what it says in verse 4. It says, Jesus replied to John's disciples. He said, go back to John. Report to him what you hear and see. Verse 5, blind people receive sight. Disabled people walk. Those who have skin diseases are healed. Deaf people hear. Those who are dead are raised to life. And the good news is preached to those who are poor. And then he puts an exclamation point on it in verse 6 and says, Blessed are those who do not give up their faith because of me. I love what Jesus did here, and he does it so often throughout Scripture. He did not give John's disciples an answer of yes or no, Jesus looked on and he actually fulfilled scripture that from different prophets had said, this is what the chosen one will do. So Jesus actually fulfilled the different prophets and what they said and actually sent John's disciples to go tell him, hey, not yes or no that I'm the chosen one, but hey, look what I've done. Yes, the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are being raised. The good news is being preached to the poor. Go tell John that. Go tell John that yes, I am the one, the message is working. And then this part right here is, I read it this, this past week, and I, I saw it differently than I've ever seen it before. And, and this is where I want to encourage us here, no matter what service you're in, is what he did in verse 7. He actually, Jesus turns to the crowd after telling John's disciples to go tell John this. And then Jesus turns to the crowd, and he actually starts to brag 
about John. He actually starts to build John up to the crowd. In verse 7, he says, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. He said, what did you go out into the desert to see? Tall grass waving in the wind? He kind of gives some weird analogies here. If not, what did you go out and see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. People who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Verse 9, then what did you go out and see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. He is the one written about in Scripture. It says, I will send my messenger, speaking of John, ahead of you. He will prepare your way for you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And then in verse 12, he says, since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has been taking ground with force. It had to have blessed John to hear all this stuff, right? It had to have blessed John who was sitting in prison after standing up for righteousness, after doing everything that God had called him to do. John, you're the one to pave the way for the chosen one. John had thousands and thousands of people following him, baptizing thousands and thousands of people. And now John finds himself in prison, discouraged. He sends his disciples to Jesus and says, are you the one? Are you the chosen one or should we look for someone else, Jesus? Jesus answers him by fulfilling scripture, the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is preached to the poor. Go tell John that. And then he starts encouraging, saying things encouraging about John. Is he a prophet? No, he's more than a prophet. He even goes as far as to say, and no one's been born greater than a woman. Like, I don't know how else you're born, Jesus, but like, that's, you're narrowing it down right there, right? Like, no one's been greater born of a woman, is what Jesus says of John. Basically, John, you're the greatest. You're the greatest. The kingdom of heaven's been taken ground by force, John, because of you. Did it not bless John, who was sitting in prison, discouraged? To hear those things that Jesus would say about him, it had to encourage him. But did you catch it in verse 7? Did you catch what actually happened in verse 7? Look what it said in verse 7. It says, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus said these things to the crowd. Hey, John's disciples, go back and tell John that He's fulfilled his purpose. The good news is pushing forward. My message is being pushed forward. Then they leave. And Jesus turns to the crowd and says all this behind John's back. John never heard any of this. John never heard that Jesus thought he was more than a prophet. John never heard that Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven was taken ground by force because of John. John never heard that Jesus said he's the greatest that's ever been born to this point. John's sitting in prison awaiting his death sentence for doing everything that God called him to do. And all Jesus does is send his disciples back and say, hey, John, you did what you were supposed to do. You fulfilled your calling. And then he brags about John behind his back. And I think for every single one of us that are here this week, and no matter what service you're in, this is the time of the year that we can get to a place where we're discouraged because our expectations have not been met in our life. And I want to encourage you this weekend because I think that if we could eavesdrop in on a conversation that Jesus was having with someone about us, I think that there'd be a few things that he would be saying behind our back as well. I think that Jesus would be saying some pretty cool things behind your back this weekend if we could eavesdrop in 
and hear what he has to say. So for the remainder of our time, if you have your bulletin, I'd love for you to open up to the back of your bulletin to fill in some blanks with me. I want to give us three things that Jesus might be saying behind your back this weekend as well. I think this is going to encourage us as we move forward to the second half of 2014. Number one on things that Jesus might be saying behind our back is this. Number one, you're doing better than you think you are. You're doing better than you think you are. I've heard our lead pastor, Pastor Matt, say this to church planners for years, that these couples feel called to go to a city. They go to this city, they plan a church, they get a year into it, two years into it, and they're discouraged, they're disappointed. The expectations of what they thought it was, it was they haven't been met yet because they look on at the numbers and they thought, this is how many people would be attending in two years. This is how many people will be attending in one year. And when those expectations aren't met, they find themselves discouraged. I've heard our lead pastor tell church planner after church planner after church planner, you're doing better than you think you are. And I think Jesus behind your back this weekend, no matter where you find yourself at here this weekend, if you're discouraged or disappointed because the expectations that are on your life have not been met till this point, I think Jesus behind your back would say, hey, you're doing better than you think you are. In verse 12, he said, the kingdom of heaven is taking ground with force because of John the Baptist. John's sitting in prison questioning if he did a good enough job. If you find yourself here this weekend and you're questioning if you are doing a good enough job in your life, I think Jesus would look on and say, you're doing better than you think you are. Mom, single mom, you're doing better than you think you are. Husbands, you're doing better than you think you are. Single people that are here this weekend, you're doing better than you think you are. Grandparents, grandmom, you're doing better than you think you are. Business leader that's here this weekend, you're doing better than you think you are. Teenager, you're doing better than you think you are. I think that if we could get a glimpse of what God really thought about us, he would say behind our back that you're doing better than you think you are. John's sitting in prison asking the question, am I doing all right? Did I do okay? How am I doing? And Jesus looked on and said, you're doing better, John, than you think you are. I'm a huge, huge football fan. My dad was a high school football coach for 10, 15 years. Uh, I played high school football. I love college football. I love everything about the game of football. And a couple years ago, I don't know if you'll remember, but they brought instant replay to the game of football. And I remember hearing people go, well, it just takes the purity out of the game. That instant replay, like, just takes it all, just sucks the purity out of the game. And I'm like, I think it brings purity to the game. But, you know, I, nobody hears my opinion, so it doesn't matter. So I'm like, you know, I think, I think instant replay is the best thing that ever happened to football. Because how many games have we watched where, where there's a game that's won or lost in the final seconds, but a referee actually got the call wrong? But before instant replay, it's just too fast in, in real time to actually get the call right. But then instant replay comes on, on TV or on SportsCenter, and you see it, and it wasn't a touchdown. It wasn't an incomplete pass. It wasn't a fumble. But that call in real time, because there was no instant replay, shifted the momentum of the game, ended the game by a touchdown, and then instant replay came around. And now they go over to a booth, and they call up to the instant replay booth, and, and they, they review the play. And any of us who follow football, three words can change a game, can it? Three words can make a team win or lose. Three words can shift the momentum of a game. What are those three words? Upon further review. Upon further review, the call on the field does not stand. No touchdown. Upon further review, the pass was completed. First down. 
Upon further review, what was seen on the field in real time was wrong. And what I see from the replay booth, because I can slow it down, is right. I think when it comes to our life, we can't see how we're doing sometimes because the field that we play on in our world today is too fast. But I think there's someone sitting at a higher viewpoint that can look down in slow time, in slow motion, and he can see that the plan of your life is unfolding. He can see that the plan that he wants for you is moving. And in his sovereign way and in his timing, it's going to come true if you keep believing in him and keep making him first. I think that when we look up at the replay booth at our God, I think that he looks down and says, you're doing better than you think you are. If you come in discouraged this weekend, I think Jesus and God, they're sitting up in heaven looking down on you, smiling on you, saying you're doing better than you think you are. Number two. If you're taking notes this weekend on things that I think Jesus might be saying behind our back, if we could eavesdrop in on a conversation as this, is that you matter more than you think you do. You matter more than you think you do. Jesus' ministry was, was moving forward at this time, and John's obviously had declined, and John was in prison, and John went on and asked Jesus a question that Jesus didn't give him the answer to, and, and Jesus did not give him an answer, but I love what Jesus did, is Jesus reaffirmed his calling. Jesus reaffirmed John's purpose. He looked on and said, John's disciples, go back and tell him. The blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is being preached to the poor. And then behind John's back, he says, then what did you go out and see, a prophet? Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. He's the one written about in scripture. Jesus goes, John, you're not rotting in prison. You're fulfilling a purpose, man. You're not rotting in prison. John, you were supposed to prepare the way. You have fulfilled that purpose. Listen, you've got to get this. I'm convinced after reading this this week, I'm convinced that Jesus did not tell John this, that he didn't tell him all these good things, and he set him behind his back because he did not want John to get caught up in how he was performing. Instead, he wanted John to put his faith in fulfilling his purpose. I don't think John told Jesus, Jesus told John's disciples to go back and say, hey, John, Jesus thinks you're the man. Jesus said to give you a fist bump. Jesus said, hey, man, you're killing it. Jesus said that you're more than a prophet, John. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven's taking ground with force, John. Jesus said no one's been born greater than a woman, John. That means you're awesome, bro. Like, no, I don't think Jesus told John's disciples that because he did not want John to put his faith in his performance. Instead, he wanted him to put his faith in his calling and that his calling was being fulfilled because John's purpose was great and the purpose of the message of Jesus Christ was being moving forward with force, God said. When we put our faith in our performance, we'll always be let down. Every time, every time, if we have to look on in our life and we have to, we have to gauge how we're really doing by our day-to-day -day performance, and then we compare it to other people's highlight reels, we'll always be disappointed. We'll always be discouraged. Don't put your faith in your performance. Put your faith in the calling and purpose that God's put you on this earth for. You can get caught up in that. If you don't think that you're valuable here this weekend, can I promise you that you are? You're valuable. To the kingdom of heaven, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're valuable. You can always tell something's value by how much was paid for it, right? And I think that the price that was paid for us on the cross by Jesus and his blood that was shed so that we could have a relationship with our heavenly father is the highest price that could ever be paid. So if you don't feel valuable, you, the price that's been paid for you is greater than any other price. You're valuable. You're valuable. 
you're valuable. I was at our kids' pastor, Josh Homan's house, yesterday for 4th of July. Like, they are the, you know, they went on a week's vacation to go shopping for old things. I don't even know what you call that. Uh, antiquing. They went on an antiquing vacation, which is amazing. Like, I, I want to go to the beach. They wanted to go travel around and buy old stuff, so it's, it's great. Um, so we were at their house yesterday, and it's amazing. When they put all the old stuff together in their house, it's like, wow, this really works. It's awesome. Um, it looks incredible, but they, they brought this chair out because there was about 15 people there where they'd run out of couch room, and they brought this chair out. And, and, and I'm not even sure I can explain it without a picture, but I'm going to do my best. Um, it had no back. It, it had just a little seat, and then it had these things in front of it that you, you put your knees on, and then you legitimately sit, please don't fall forward, like this. <laughs> and they brought the chair out, and they were like, you've got to try this. And I sat in it. <laughs> I'm like, can somebody feed me my pie? <laughs> I don't even know what to do. They're like, isn't it awesome? It's so great for your back. I'm like, my lower back is on fire right now. She's like, no, we bought it antiquing. I'm like, how much did you pay for that? She was like, $2. I'm like, invaluable. She's like, but somebody already called and wants to buy it for $200. I'm like, valuable? <laughs> I'm like, that chair went real quick from invaluable to valuable. Why? Because the price that was paid for it. If you don't feel like you're valuable, the price that Jesus paid on the cross for you is the greatest price. Be encouraged this weekend because I promise you, because Jesus paid that price, it means that you are valuable. You're doing better than you think you are. Stay-at-home mom, you're doing better than you think you are. Every conversation you have with your child, every story you read to her, every prayer that you pray over them matters. You matter more than you think you do. Business leader that's trying to run his business on Christian principles with integrity, you matter in Southwest Florida way more than you think you do. All of you who work in the medical field and you're at your hospitals or doctor's offices and you walk around and you're not ashamed to proclaim that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you matter so much more than you think you do. All of you who work in the construction field and you're not ashamed to talk about where you go to church, you're not ashamed to talk about what God's doing in your life to a crowd that might be tough, can I promise you something? You matter so much more than you think you do. Everybody that works in retail and you look on and maybe you think your job's not significant, but instead you're using your job as an opportunity for ministry and every conversation you have, you lift up coworkers, you lift up customers, you matter so much more than you think you do. Teachers, you're in the summer and maybe you're discouraged because the school year wasn't what you thought it was gonna be. The way you proclaim Jesus in your classroom when they tell you that you can't, trust me, you matter so much more than you think you do. Grandparents, those of you who are leaving a legacy like it talks about in the book of Proverbs for your grandchildren, you matter more than you think you do. Single person that's living with Christ at the center of their life, when the world tells you not to, you matter more than you think you do. For every single one of you who serve or lead in our local church or in nonprofits around Southwest Florida, I hope you know this weekend that you matter so much more than you think you do. Jesus looked on at John and said, John, Look what's happening, man. Everything's being pressed forward. Don't get caught up in your performance. Get caught up in your purpose. And your purpose has been fulfilled. My message is moving forward, John. You mattered so much more than you think you did, John. You matter. I think Jesus would tell us this weekend, you're doing better than you think you are. And I think that he would tell you that you're valuable. 
and you matter so much more than you think you do. And then the third one, the third thing that I think Jesus might be saying behind our back if we could eavesdrop in on a conversation is this, is that it's less about you than you think it is. It's less about you than you think it is. John, I know you're in prison, bro, and you didn't do anything wrong. John, I know that you came and you paved the way for me. You did everything you could do to pave the way for me, but hey, John, it's not about you, man. It's about me. It's about my message moving forward. And John, I know that you find yourself in prison. The expectations on your life at this point not be what you thought it was going to be. But John, you fulfilled a purpose. You matter. And if you'll make it less about you and more about me, John, that can bring joy and encouragement to your life in this tough time. Jesus looked on at John and did not give him the answer he was looking for. He made sure that he reaffirmed his purpose and let John know that it's less about him than he thought it was. I want us to leave affirmed this weekend. I want us to leave encouraged this weekend to go into the second half of the year, but I want to make sure that we leave in the right affirmation. I don't want you to go back to work on Monday and look at your boss and be like, hey, boss, <laughs> I matter way more than you think I do, bro. <laughs> and by the way, I'm doing so much better than you think I am. <laughs> My pastor said it. My pastor said Jesus said it, so basically, pay raise. <laughs> like, uh, I'm pretty valuable, pretty valuable. <laughs> Uh, don't go home and tell your wives' husbands that you matter more than they think you do. That's not going to work for you at all, I promise. Uh, um, don't tell them you're doing a great job either. Just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, th I want us to leave affirmed this weekend. I, you know, I had a little daughter a, a year ago now. She turned one this past Friday. And um, I was thinking back, to, you know, this is the part that I've been told. They'll really start to understand what you're telling them. They'll really start to believe in what you tell them. And I was thinking back to uh, when I was coaching in Tennessee, I, there was this family and they had a little girl and I was at a high school football game and I'd watched them interact with her and just thought it was cute and they just did such a good job. And I, I uh, one night at a high school football game, I bent down, I got eye to eye with her and I uh, looked at her and I'm like, you're so pretty. And she was like, I know. <laughs> She's like, I'm the prettiest girl in the world. And I was like, you are? And she said, yeah. And I'm like, well, you're smart. And she's like, I know. <laughs> I'm the smartest girl in the world. And I was like, well, how do you know all that? And I'll never forget what she told me. She said, because my daddy says I am. My daddy says I am. My daddy says I'm the prettiest girl in the world. My daddy says I'm the smartest girl in the world. I never thought much about it until I had a little girl. And I think I might be wrong because I don't have a boy, but I think that talk to your son a little differently than you talk to your little daughter and uh, you know I want to be able to look my little daughter in the eye and tell her she's the prettiest girl in the world and that she's the smartest girl in the world and she's the sweetest little girl in the world but I don't want a phone call from her teacher two or three years from now <laughs> like Kaylee's yelling at every girl in the lunchroom saying she's prettier than all of them <laughs> she just yelled at a teacher yesterday and said I'm smarter than you are I'm the smartest girl in the world like that's not going to work <laughs> So I'm like, how do, you, how, do you, how do you make sure that you build that into your, you know, your child, but at the same time, you don't actually want them to think, like, them think that about themselves. So how do you do that? How do you deal with that tension? And I, I thought back to that illustration. That little girl looked on and said, because my daddy says I am. And I was like, 
that little girl didn't think she was the prettiest girl in the world because she thought it. She thought she was the prettiest girl in the world because her daddy thought she was. She didn't think about herself that she was the smartest girl in the world. She thought she was the smartest girl in the world because her daddy says she was. Can I encourage you this weekend if you're walking around with your head down, you're discouraged, you're disappointed, and where you're at at this point of 2014, maybe you're questioning your purpose, your calling, your value. Can I encourage you the next time you look in the mirror and you think that you're not good enough? Your father says you are. The next time you look in the mirror and you don't think that you're pretty enough, your father says you are. Next time you look in the mirror and you think you're not a good enough leader, your father says you are. Next time you don't think that you're talented enough, your father says you are. The next time you don't think that you're valuable at all to anybody or anything, <laughs> your father says you are. You don't feel love. You don't feel like there's hope. Your father says there is. Leave here this weekend try if your head's down and you're discouraged or disappointed it's because of your expectations and if we can leave here this weekend not judging ourselves on how we think we're doing but actually judging ourselves on how our father thinks we're doing I think that we would eavesdrop in on a conversation and Jesus would say behind your back that you're doing better than you think you are I think that he would tell you that you matter a whole lot more than you think you do. If some of you are here and you haven't followed Jesus and you're still trying to figure it out in church and somebody's invited you and you're not sure, but you find yourself discouraged or disappointed because someone in your life in the past, a coach, a teacher, an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, an ex-spouse has told you that you're not valuable, that you're not good enough, I hope you leave this week and knowing what your father thinks about you, that we serve a God that loves you, that thinks that you're perfect. He looks down on what he made and says, it is good. And it's there for a purpose. You matter more than you think you do. And I think Jesus behind our back would say, hey, second half of 2014, why don't you make it less about you and more about me and see what I'll do in your life. I've asked our worship team to come back out for the end of service here. And I think this is just a perfect time to have a reflection moment this halfway point of the year and I don't know where you're at in your life but if you came discouraged I hope you leave encouraged if you came in disappointed and lacking energy to move forward in your life I hope you leave energized I hope you leave motivated to tackle 2014 and make it everything that you want it to be and everything that God wants it to be in his will and in his timing all things come to pass the Bible says they're going to sing a song over you called You Revived Me. In the first two minutes of that, I would encourage you just to reflect. In this past year, if you came in discouraged, pray that God would give you encouragement. If you came in disappointed, pray that God would make you not disappointed anymore. If you're here with your spouse, grab your spouse's hand. If you're here with a group of friends, grab a friend's hand. If you're here and you're single, look and see if the person next to you doesn't have a ring on and grab their hand. Pastor Mike talked about it last weekend. That's like step eight if you don't <laughs> check, check.
<laughs> Watch it online if you missed it. <laughs> Step eight. But if they don't have a ring on, it could be your moment. <laughs> You're welcome. Best 2014 ever. <laughs> but take some time and, and reflect, and then our worship team's actually going to invite you to stand halfway through the song at a part that says, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. If you come into this place this weekend and you feel like that you're not alive, God wants to bring life to the second half of this year for you. I would encourage you as you stand during that moment to pray and sing and worship and let's move forward and have an incredible 2014 as individuals, as families, and as a church as we continue to push the good news of Jesus across our community, across our nation, and around the world. Let's pray. God, Jesus, thank you that we can come into a place like this and we can have a time of reflection. Lord, I pray for every person that's here, no matter where they find themselves at this point of the year, God, if they came in discouraged, God, make yourself real to them in these next two or three minutes. Help them to leave encouraged. God, if they came and there was a lack of energy to move forward, God, energize them like never before to be everything that you've called them to be. God, that people would leave here this weekend knowing that they're probably doing better than they think they are. That they're valuable and they matter so much more than they think they do. And God, if we'll make it less about us and more about you, the second half of this year can be everything that we want it to be. God, come and revive us. Come and revive us. Come and revive us. In Jesus' name, all who agreed said, 